That's right. We are the church. And wherever you're at today, I want you to know that I'm really glad that you're here um, with us. Uh, During this whole COVID-19 season, I got to tell you that I've been exactly where you are. Uh, Maybe not exactly where you are, but literally in my home, um, in my living room, huddled up around a computer screen or a TV on the weekends, tuning into services online. I've probably tried every single one of the online weekend options that we offer. I've been on Facebook Live and YouTube. Of course, I've been to the website and to our app. On Easter weekend, I tuned in with like 20,000 other people on NBC. I think I've tried every single one of the offerings that we make available except for Roku, and that's because I don't really know what that is, and I'm not sure if we have it. You know, if you had told me eight weeks ago that my next time teaching on a Sunday morning, um, I would be in the Franklin Auditorium as opposed to the new one that we've been renovating and getting ready in West Nashville, um, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, And I certainly wouldn't have imagined that it would be to an empty room, Um, but I am increasingly thankful um, as the weeks have gone by uh, for our tech team and production teams and all the behind the scene folks who have made not only so many great options available to us, but they've improved on them every single week. Um, Really, really impressive. And I'm so grateful. I'm also really, really grateful for you. You have adapted and adopted new technologies, so many new technologies, things that you never imagined that you would have to do. Um, You've surprised me, some of you. Uh, You've even surprised yourself. I've surprised myself with what our ability is on the weekends to do this and to engage one another continually as the church. This morning, uh, we're gonna continue this series and I invite you to turn in your Bibles or your mobile devices or whatever you're choosing to use to read scripture with us this morning to Acts chapter three. And as you do, I want you to hear this reminder. Whenever you have tuned in to whatever technology you've used on the weekends to be a part of these Sunday gatherings, whenever you've jumped on Zoom or Google Hangouts with your community group, whenever you have engaged with us on social media, whenever you've gone online and figured out online giving, whenever you have participated in the life of the church, you've made a difference. And here's what we're saying. We're saying that we are the church and that no gate of hell, no threat of man, no weapon of any enemy and no virus is gonna stop us from knowing who we are in Christ Jesus and being who we've called to be as the church. And so we continue to dive into that series this morning, knowing and expecting that God's gonna teach us something fresh and new about who he is and ultimately who he's called us to be in Jesus. Let's read Acts chapter three, starting in verse one together. It says this, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now the timing of this is really important because Jews divided the daylight into hours. Well, big deal, we divide the daylight into hours. But there were specific hours that were attached to times of prayer or times of scripture reading where they would gather and sing songs and listen to the spoken word. And one of those was three o'clock in the afternoon. Now the time becomes really significant when you note that in the gospels, we learn that at nine o'clock in the morning about the third hour of the day, that's when Jesus was crucified. Or at the sixth hour of the day, uh, noon, that's when darkness fell over the land. Or the ninth hour in the day at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, that's when Jesus gave up his last breath, when the temple curtain was torn in two and he died in our place. And so in this moment, if you look at Peter and John, they're going to the temple courts in order to pray and to hear scripture read out loud. They're fulfilling what is their Jewish duty and custom, but they're also remembering the specific time as Christian brothers that Christ died for them. 
says, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. The from birth part is really important in this verse. You see, Jews believed that if you had an infirmity or a disability or some sort of disease of any kind, that it was God's punishment for the sin in your life. And the from birth part always tripped people up. In fact, in John chapter nine, the disciples were going with Jesus and they encountered a man that was born blind, blind from birth. And they asked him, Jesus, okay, who in this scenario sinned? Was it the man's sin or his parents that sinned that caused the blindness? And Jesus, of course, responded and said, neither this man nor his parents' sin caused this blindness, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed. Even asking the question in that moment in John chapter nine, the disciples are revealing not only the condition of their hearts, but the culture in which they lived. And so imagine this guy, every single day, that part gets me, every single day being laid at the court, outside, not being invited in, knowing that every single person who passes you by is looking at you as a sinner, as someone who is unclean, unworthy, unloved. Imagine being the parents who, when your child was born with this condition, knowing that he would never be marriage material, never be landowner material, never be respectable in society leadership material. Here's this guy begging every day from people passing him, God-fearing Jews going in and going out, hoping that some of the love that they encounter would spill over into his life. Verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. You don't have to go very far in this passage of scripture to realize that There is something right here for us, something that we can grab and put in our pockets and take with us when we need it. I imagine that this guy was all like, bro, what I really need is silver or gold. And Peter was like, no, I'm gonna do you something better. How many times in life do I lament over the things that I don't have, over the growing list of things that I don't have or don't have access to instead of, identifying and celebrating the things that I do. We can pause right here and know that there's something for us that God wants to say. It's this, in difficulty, noting only what you don't have only compounds the problem. In difficulty, noting only the things that you don't have only compounds the problem. And I realize that I'm saying that today to a group of people whose list of what they don't have, what they don't experience, what they don't have access to, what they're missing out on is only getting larger. And to some people today, I recognize that a loss of job or a meaningful way to work and secure income and provide for a family is high on your priority list. Responsibly and prudently, you have to look at the things that you don't have in life and filter them through the idea of needs and wants or necessities and luxuries but you can't only look at those things because only looking at the things that we don't have compounds the problem. What we have to do is understand that identifying what you do have diffuses it. 
How many times have I been the guy that's lamented thinking, this is what I don't have, instead of taking that next step to recognize what I do have and often what I find, typically what we realize is this, what we have is better. When we stop only identifying the things that we don't have and move ahead recognizing the things that we do have, it helps us realize that what we have and ultimately the things that cannot be taken away, it's better. It's better. You know, in difficulty, like this COVID-19 season, I'm really prompted to ask myself, is COVID-19 causing me to focus more on what I lack or allowing me the space to focus more on what I have and ultimately what really matters? And we continue in Acts chapter 3. Picking up in verse seven, this is when the miracle happens. Taking him by the right hand, he, that's Peter, he helps them up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. You would do that too. If you had never walked a day in your life, you wouldn't be satisfied just to walk. You would walk and run and jump and turn somersaults in the temple courts. Can you imagine this guy? It says in verse nine, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know, when they recognized him as the same guy who used to sit and beg, ultimately they were probably recognizing him as the same guy that they never helped. It's not the focus of our message today. It's not one of the points that we need to glean, but it is something good that we can grab onto. You see, when you're really burdened in life by the things that you lack, a quick remedy for that is to help somebody else with theirs to help carry somebody else's load, to put on someone else's shoes and take a walk around the block. Generosity is not just a remedy for the recipient. Um, It's a healing agent for us to, you know, in difficulty in life, we can get so caught up noting the things that we don't have that we neglect to remember and be grateful for the things that we do have and understanding that those things are so much better we realize we ultimately have a lot that we can give. A lot that we can give. This guy born lame from birth, this guy in a situation where his life was changed in an instant, I have to wonder in this moment what was going on in Peter's mind, what was running through his thoughts as he saw this guy get up at the response to his words about Jesus and walk and run and jump. I wonder if in that moment, He remembered some of Jesus's words, conjecture, not in the scripture, but just my point of thinking, I wonder what was happening. Maybe he went back to John chapter 14, verse 12, where Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, this is one of those verses in scripture that I get hung up on, that I kind of have a hard time believing because I'll I'll try the things that you try, Jesus. I'll attempt to do the things that you did, but I'm never gonna be able to do it as good, much less better. In December of 2016, I did something that I never thought that I would accomplish in life. I set out to run a full marathon. Um, And I had some fears attached to that endeavor, especially on 
race day, one of the fears, um, maybe slightly larger than the second fear, um, was that I would have some sort of bathroom emergency on the race. I had literally packed my pockets with little packets of toilet tissue. I had no idea that deep into the future those would be collector's items. I wrote with a Sharpie on my arm all of the locations of the, like, the sanitation stations and the portalettes along the path so that I could literally be trucking along and say, okay, I'm coming up on mile 11, and I could look down and I could see, okay, there's a station here. Do I need to stop or can I make it to mile 14? Okay, I'll press in. I'll keep going. And when I get to mile 14, I round the corner and I realize that there's a sanitation station, do I need to stop or can I make it to mile 17 and I would persist through the race? That was a significant, you know what I'm talking about, a significant fear of mine. Nobody wants to get caught in that type of situation. My other fear was that I wouldn't finish, that something would prevent me from completing the thing that I had been working toward, the thing that 18 weeks of my life had been gearing up for. And I saw it happen. All along the race, I saw people drop out at different points and turns. One guy that I'll never forget stopped at mile marker 22. He was there before I was, and I passed him by as he began to realize that the injury he sustained was going to prevent him from finishing the race. And all I could do was think to myself, how sad. He's, he's, he's not going to get to finish. Three of the Gospels give us the story of Jesus walking on the water. But only one of the Gospels tells us the story of Peter getting out on the boat and walking toward him on the scene. Of course, we often dwell on the fact that Peter began to sink, that his fear over the waves and the wind and taking his eyes off Jesus caused him to fail in that moment. But I just want to celebrate the fact that he tried, that he got out there and tried. At the end of the race, my wife Susan, she asked me, okay, now that you've got this 26.2 magnet, are you going to take off the 13.1, the half marathon magnet that I had previously achieved. And I was like, no way. I did both the the shorter and the longer. I'm going to keep both. I completed both races. I'm going to remember both races. You know, that word greater, in John chapter 14, verse 12, greater things than these can also be translated as the word longer. Jesus's earthly ministry lasted about three years, and in the end, he had retained only a handful of followers. Peter's ministry would exceed that by three, almost four decades, and in the end, he would leave behind thousands upon thousands and thousands of believers, people who had exhibited great faith in God. Was Peter's ministry greater? It was definitely longer. In John chapter 14, to believe It's the Greek word pistuo, and it literally means to credit and be persuaded, to have confidence. To believe is to follow through. It doesn't mean that you don't have doubt or fear, but it means that you press on anyway. Jill Briscoe is a pastor and a teacher and an author and a a writer, a speaker. She's all over the place. Um, She's also old and British, two facts that make her definitely somebody that we should listen to. In a recent interview with Jenny Allen, she talked about a situation long ago in her ministry missionary career where she was really, really afraid of a dangerous situation. And she recalled a book that she read, not a theological book, not some big, great work that all Christians should read, really just some sort of uh, coffee table, chicken soup for the Christian cliche soul kind of book. And she read this statement, courage is fear that said its prayers. And I like that. Courage is not necessarily boldness. It's not necessarily bravery. It's not necessarily strength, but it's fear that said its prayers. 
Maybe for us today, belief is doubt that decided to try. Doubt that decided to try. Maybe it isn't always confidence. Maybe it isn't always certainty. Maybe it isn't always conviction, but simply doubt that gave faith a try. My hunch that day, not written down for us and explicitly explained to us in scripture, that when this man who was unable to walk, walked for the very first time, that Peter had a hindsight is 2020 kind of moment. And he said, oh, wait, this is it. This is what Jesus said. This is one of those times when he said we were gonna do the exact same works that he was able to do. Wait, does this mean we're also gonna be able to do stuff that's even greater? If so, let's keep going. This was not only a hindsight moment, there is also significant foresight here. You see, the early church would suffer intensely under persecution, a persecution that would scatter Jewish believers and Gentile Christians throughout the world. This story in the book of Acts would become a distant memory. Peter, 30 years into his ministry, would write a letter to those dispersed believers in order to strengthen them under the persecutions that they were facing, some sporadic persecutions that were eventually going to get worse. He was preparing the church to be strong at the end of the first century, the beginning of the second century, when persecution broke out. Jesus, suffering for three days, certainly greater. The church would suffer under this persecution for 200 years, definitely longer. And so in 1 Peter chapter 1, he writes these words starting in verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. This is a a different kind of fear. This is not the same kind of fear we were talking about before. It's not a fall down in the waves, not finish the race, um, not make it out alive kind of fear that you hope to conquer. It's a holy, reverent, God is bigger than I am and deserving of my praise kind of fear that you hope to keep. He says in verse 18, listen to this, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. So your faith and hope are in God. It wasn't gonna be silver or gold that was going to get this man off the ground. It wasn't going to be silver or gold that would put him on his feet. It wasn't going to be silver or gold that was going to give his life the meaning and the satisfaction and ultimately the sustenance that society prescribed for him in order to live. It was Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Peter continued to preach that kind of word and to teach the crowds that day. Peter continued to tell people over and over and over again that God is better. Regardless of your circumstance, regardless of the situation, regardless of the things you lack, you gotta realize that God is better no matter the length or the degree of your suffering. John Piper says that we should fear living in a way that betrays our lack of satisfaction in God. And when I first heard that quote, I had to 
literally do a double take on the word betray because I didn't quite understand what he was meaning. Betray as in like betray a friend, betray as in like betray a confidence. No, but there's another definition of that word and it means to unintentionally reveal, to expose or be evidence of. There's probably not a better quote for us in the middle of this COVID season. What if we would fear living and behaving in a way that unintentionally reveals our lack of satisfaction in God? What if we would fear living in a way that says to the world, God is good, but I sure do need me some of that silver and gold. What if we would fear living in such a way that indicates to the world that God is almost, but not quite good enough, that he is good, he's just not better? What if we would fear living in a way and wavering on our belief in any way that God is not only in control of this situation, but he is able to heal the broken and the messed up parts of my life in the middle of it? If you ask me, I think Peter remembered the words of Jesus in John chapter 14, greater things than these when he healed the lame beggar in Acts chapter 3. And if you ask me, I think he remembered the words and the healing of the lame beggar in Acts chapter 3 when he wrote words to a dispersed and suffering church in 1 Peter chapter 1. And here's what you and I are meant to do with that. If we want to make the most of our opportunities, we have to know what Jesus said. If you and I want to break it down, make the most of the opportunities that we have to that we have right now, we have to know what Jesus said back then. It's the words of Jesus that are gonna give us strength and that are gonna propel us forward. If we want to make the most of the opportunities we have right now, if we want to make a lasting difference in our community, we have to communicate what Jesus did. People need to know what Jesus did for us and ultimately, they need to know what it means to the astonished and amazed and mesmerized crowds that began to gather in Acts chapter 3. Peter spoke words of life and told them what Jesus did and what it means. You know, we may lose everything, insert Debbie Downer, want, want, sound effect in life. But what we have in Christ is always so much more. He's not our consolation prize for coming in second to COVID-19 or whatever other frustrating situation we encounter in life. He's our crown and he's our glory. And ultimately, he's the only thing that we need. To the clueless crowds that gathered at 3 p.m. time of prayer in Acts chapter 3, Peter explained, it starts in verse 16 of Acts chapter 3, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It was Jesus's name that healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Messiah would suffer. Verse 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. There's times of refreshing. The, the literal translation there is things cooling off. And I gotta tell you, I love the warm weather that we're having right now, but you give me till July and I'm gonna be ready for things to cool off just a bit. But figuratively, these words mean so much more. These times of refreshing ultimately mean the restoration of all things. 
Beth Moore says that right now we're living in the church age, not the COVID-19 age, but the church age, the church age that began in Acts chapter two and will continue until the return of Christ. But one day this church age is gonna come to an end and Christ is gonna usher in all of the restoration and all of the redemption that scripture has promised he would. And so if we wanna make a lasting difference in our community, we have to communicate what Jesus did. But if we want to make a lasting difference in our community, we also have to believe what Jesus can still do. Not only what he can do, but ultimately what he will do. If Peter could have leaned in in that moment and leaned down to the guy that was not walking, picked him up and said to him, fella, listen, you like walking? You like running? You like dancing? Let me tell you, if you think that's good, wait until you see what Christ wants to do in your life next and wait till you see all that he has planned, that will come forever. So today, what if if we didn't pray for just the courage to get through this, but for the desire to be obedient in this? What if somehow today we didn't pray for this to end, man, I'm praying for this part to end and for us to return. But what if instead of praying for this to end quickly, we prayed for God to increase our faith greatly? What if we stopped being so concerned with longing for and beseeching God for all the things that we're gonna need in order to live our lives at the standards that we feel like we need to live them on the other side of this? and only determined that holding the hand of Jesus in this was better than anything else that we could ask for. This COVID-19 season has ultimately already been and may continue lingering a little longer, more than any of us would like. But I dare say that it could also do something greater than any of us could ever think as our faith increases in a God who is always, always, always better no matter what. We could look back with hindsight and have faith with foresight in a God who can do something so much more than we ever imagined because our faith and our trust and our confidence, in spite of our doubts and fears, are resting in Jesus, who is better today, right now in this, and will always be better than anything we face because of the promises of God fulfilled in him made available to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to continue navigating your word to continue understanding that you have a plan for us that is so much greater than anything that we can think of or imagine. And so God, we do pray for the energy and the stamina to sustain not only great faith, but increasing faith through the situations that we're walking in. For brothers and sisters of mine who are confused and suffering and somehow trying to figure out where you are in all this. Father, I pray that you would be so present 
and so available with the very quick reminder that you are not only there for them, but that you're better than anything else. Father, would you help us to walk and dance and praise in response to the work that you and only you can do in our lives. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray today. Amen.